beautiful. I mean, we're live. All right, we are live. Welcome, everybody. Sorry about starting a little bit late. We are failing forward, just figuring out um, technology. So, <laughs> great job, Nick. Right. Good job, Nick. <laughs> Grandpa Nick is the grandpa. Nick. Grandpa Nick. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't even have a good link. Yeah. He had a he had a full head of hair about ten minutes ago before. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I grew up with like being able to grow hair really fast on top of my head and right here, and now it just goes really fast everywhere else except for right here. Yeah, this is where it starts coming in, and then here, when you get to my age, I'm 45 now, I'm like, I have to trim my ear hair, like, weekly. It's ridiculous. <laughs> getting personal right off the bat here, guys. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's going to be guys, raw and real with me, guys, so we, hope, we didn't, hope you're ready for the that. Script. <laughs> hey, hey, Dom, I really, really love your, your new house. That's beautiful. Thank Where you. You like that? my you like my piano over there that Whoa. I just got today. Just had Your the grand piano. I'm gonna be a pianist. I think that that's how you say it, right? Pianist. Yeah. Pianist. Let's keep it PG, Dom. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I I can already tell this is gonna be a good time, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm in good company here. <laughs> no, have you guys seen Chris Crone's uh, short where he talks about how he bought a giant rock? No. He has this giant like purple rock in his house, and he's like. I invested in this rock and it's amazing. Try to steal it from my house. It's too heavy for you. And it's just like, it's just like Dom buying things that you don't really need, but you just have it just to show it off. Oh right? yeah. Like the, the grand piano that he has no idea how to play. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to exactly. switch to my brick wall background and throw you through it pretty soon. Landon. <laughs> <laughs> Break your uh, legs, right? I'm going to virtually throw you through it here. Pretty soon. <laughs> Oh man! All right. well, anyway, um, all right. Well, we're considering this pod or whatever you want to call this YouTube live podcast, whatever medium or whatever you want to call this, failing forward. And the reason why we're calling it failing forward, um, Lance, is because we strongly believe, obviously, that imperfect action is turning into really amazing lessons that I don't think a lot of people are, are teaching in the community that we belong to. Not because. They don't want to. I believe everyone is very gracious with their time and want to provide value to everybody else. But I think what people do most is promote themselves and how great they are, right? Hey, I closed 30 deals. I'm closing 8 to 10 deals this month. I'm doing this and doing that. Um, thank you, Facebook user. You have a good <laughs> evening as well. Um, so we, we love to talk about the mistakes that we're making in this business and mm -hmm. how, what we're learning from it and how we're propelling forward. I think that's a lot of fun. For me, it's yeah. therapeutic for us as well as I think it, it, it adds value. That being said, um, how have you failed so far? <laughs> <laughs> Let me count the ways. I mean, how many examples do you want? <laughs> um, many as you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, if you're talking real estate in general, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. So, I mean, there's been failures along the way, you know. Um, Plenty of them. I actually, one of the big, the biggest one I think I've had so far is a trucking company I tried to start um, right before inflation skyrocketed and fuel prices went through the roof. So you can imagine how that went. Um, it was a hotshot trucking company. I had a mentor in the space. I had an in on a truck and a trailer. 
invested in it, did some training, got an MC license and authorities, which are things you have to do to help be a, to do that business and uh, had a driver, man, we, we started losing money almost immediately. <laughs> like the load, the loads were like staying the same, but everything else went through the roof. And so, and I didn't have any connections really. And so uh, ended up losing about $70,000 on that business endeavor. And that was a real eye opener for me, man. Um, but you know what I did gain from that? There are a few things, right? I mean, it was something new I, I had tried. Um, I probably didn't do enough research into it, the market and into the business itself. But uh, I, I actually got, gained a $70,000 tax deduction is what I did. So that's the that's the plus side of that story, man. <laughs> Take it out. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, been, been a lot of failures, man. I've been in, like I said, I, I had a brick and mortar. I owned a granite countertop and tile company in Eugene, Oregon for 18 years. Um, and we had a lot of successes. We had some failures just within that company, you know. Um, but we grew that business to over a million dollar a year company for the last three to five years, I'd say three to four years. Um, and we just kind of burned out on it, though. So we kind of, you know, we, we took it. We, we built it up and we started flipping houses about seven years ago, you know, and that's really where our passion was, um, you know, and so we decided to move into real estate full time, guys. We, we built that company, just started burning out. And so do you want me to tell the whole my story right now or what do you? We, we have a free form, Lance. This is your show. Okay, cool. Well, let, let's just get into the story, right? Like, yeah, uh, it's a pretty yeah. cool story, man. Look, so, I gave, um, you, I gave you the screen, so you just talk, Lance. Perfect, Good man. Time. I appreciate that. So, uh, basically, let's start because, you know, with the, uh, like, the, the flyer that you made, high school dropout, right? I dropped out on my junior year, guys. So, I grew up in uh, Palmdale, California, Southern California, the Mojave Desert. Uh, my, my dad wasn't around, you know, my stepdad, I had a stepdad for most of my life and he was a pretty selfish, self-centered guy. And so I rebelled pretty heavy in my teenage years and I started getting a lot of trouble. I started, uh, doing drugs and alcohol, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole nine yards, right? That whole thing. That was my life. Um, started when I was like 15 years old, to be honest with you. Um, and so I was screwing up. I was ditching school all the time. I'd go out behind the school with all the stoners and just kind of be, uh, you know, we were just doing dumb stuff. I don't have to get into the details, but you guys get it. And uh, uh, my stepdad actually was like, hey, you know, you need to start coming to work or finish school. And so I was like, you know, or he said, you need to come to work with me or get your ass back in school. And I was like, you know what? I hate school. I suck at it. I, I didn't realize then, but I was ADD. I had problem problems like obtaining you know information and i i found out recently just actually this last year that i have to be in a complete silent room to really be able to read and get the information into my head so he was like you, you're going to you're going back to school or you're coming to work with me and he was a tile setter at the time so i i learned uh he worked in la a lot so i worked I, I went to work with him setting tile actually i didn't set tile at all i was his helper i was the you know the grunt laborer for like i think i started off at four dollars and fifty cents an hour like 1993 Ooh. yes the 1900s guys that was way back then and um i don't remember those <laughs> yeah so my kids mess with me now they're like oh 1900 <laughs> you know whatever so uh, 
<laughs> so, but anyways, I started just mixing mud and making cuts and tile and stuff, learned the trade a little bit. I decided, uh, or, and he moved us up to Oregon when I was like 18, 1996. I had just gotten in trouble with the law. Like I said, that whole lifestyle was coming, coming to a head and, and I was going down a pretty bad path. And so he, he decided, uh, funny thing, actually, he ended up getting a piece of mail. We worked for the tile store of Tarzana and it, a piece of mail was mistakenly um, shipped up to the tile store in uh, Eugene, Oregon. And that's how we ended up moving up there. Uh, he called, work was a little slow down in LA and he called and he said, hey, you guys got any work? They said, yeah, tons of work. So we went up there with uh, in his truck and it's a cab over, uh, you know, um, camper, camper. Yeah, and we lived in that damn thing for three months. This little camper, wow. man, and uh, went up there, started working, you know. And he said, "Hey, after a few months, I'm like, hey, I'm ready to go home. I had t uh, concert tickets to Ozfest, man. I was like super, like you know, into metal and stuff, and and I, uh, I was super pissed." When he was like, we're not going back. I was like, what do you mean? I ended up getting a plane ticket, going back to the concert, sprained my ankle really bad, and then came back to work. He was pissed. You know, I was on crutches and stuff. But anyway, um, so I ended up staying there, thankfully, because I think it would have gone down a really, you know, dark path if I had gone up there. Um, thankful now. But I ended up starting my own granite countertop company. I think it was like, uh, I want to say... 2000 late 2006 it was so before the 08 recession and so i i started that business and i ended up 08 hit i was i mean i was making tons of cash man and i was i was not running things right i was i was taking cash payments and paying my guys under the table you know doing everything that you're not supposed to do in a business basically um but you know i didn't care i was young i was naive and we went on vacations and stuff spent every penny pretty much that we had and then 08 hit and I basically shut down all my crews and I just brought my stepdad and my brother in. But we ended up weathering that storm, made it through and uh, started building our business. We ended up I ended up bringing my wife in to help me uh, run my showroom. I built a little showroom. I had her come in and help me. I put a couple of sandwich signs on each end of the busy streets. I was in this little industrial area. And so ended up getting business, started generating business almost right away from that. But uh, yeah, so I built that company up um, and we just started burning out on it. On it honestly, is what kind of happened. You know, it's all I ever knew. I dropped out of high school, like I said, to work. And so I built that company and, and just started burning out. I was looking for another way out. I did all kinds of network marketing or multi-level marketing, whatever you want to call them, yeah. type businesses along the way, trying to find the way out of the construction, right? Cause I was, I was self-employed. I wasn't a business owner, you know, I was mm -hmm. doing a lot of work myself. Most of it, you know, all the important stuff. I, I didn't understand how to delegate processes. I didn't trust anybody enough to, to let them go on, on the main stuff. And so I basically worked in it until, you know, I don't know about five or six years ago, I, I started letting go of control, but learned how to scale. But anyways, uh, we started flipping houses about ooh, seven or eight years ago. And um, really good in those houses. Yeah, man. Like it was like, you know, 2014 or somewhere in there, like it started, the economy started getting good again. And I, the own, the guy that owned my building, um, Jack Huff, he's this old guy, old timer, like type of guy who's got money, but you would never know it. Like millionaire next door type of guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Dirty jean, like not dirty, but old jeans, white sneakers and a freaking white t-shirt. 
he'd come in and he'd come in and do like talking calm. and stuff and he'd fix the weather stripping, you know, like the guy was loaded, but he just, that was his job. Like he enjoyed doing it. And I never, I didn't understand that for a long time until I realized, you know, this is just what he likes to do man. he likes to just hang out. But one day I had a conversation with him in my office. I was leasing um, some footage from him uh, and there's probably about hundred thousand square foot industrial building. And I, he sits down with me and I said, Hey Jack, um, I've been thinking about flipping houses, man. I really want to, I think I'm ready to pull the trigger. Cause prior to that, I actually had joined Than Merrill's course, uh, fortune builders, right? That was the first yeah. course that I kind of got involved with. Well, actually, so if we back up 10 years prior, I actually got on the Carlton Sheets bandway. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that infomercial. It's just a bunch of binders, you know, that should tell you how to buy real estate with no and low money down. But yeah. those binders sat in my closet for years and years. So there was no training really. But anyway, so I joined uh, Fortune Builders, dumped my entire life savings at the time was about $8,500 into their course. And I didn't do shit for two years. <laughs> basically because wow. i was building my business but mm -hmm. I, it kind of started kinda... sparking that fire in me so i sat down with jack about two years later and i said hey jack i'm ready to start you know i want to start flipping houses and and what one of the things i'd learned in network marketing was to go around the person rather than directly asking them for the opportunity so i said hey i want to start flipping houses do you know anybody who would be interested in coming in with some capital and he just looked to the side. He goes, yeah, me. And that was my, that was my plan, right? I, that was like the plan worked. And yeah. uh, I said, cool, man. What would you want to throw out the first deal? And he goes, hmm, 100000 And I was like, whoa. I'd never, I'd wow. never sat in front of somebody that had that kind of money to just throw out like that. So wow. yeah. it yeah. was – I had to contain my excitement. I was freaking beside myself. Like my wife – was in the next office over. She's our designer and sales team, you know, leader. And so my office was right next to hers. As soon as he left, I freaking went in there, man. And I was flipping out, jumping up and down like, baby, you going to believe this. We're going to start flipping houses. And so we hugged and we embraced and we were freaking out, went and celebrated probably, I'm sure. Um, I don't remember that part. So we probably did. No. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but man, we were off to the races. Like I went you, literally uh, within two weeks. I found a house for $90,000 and uh, off market deal, um, seller finance deal. And so I've been doing creative deals since then, you know, but uh, found this real piece of crap. <laughs> right and uh it was uh um it was in really rough shape guys so when i when i t walked the house with my uh realtor buddy um he could nobody wanted it because it was such a mm, gem mm -hmm. we'll say these guys were literally literally hoarders and they were renting out rooms they they turned so you walk into the front door and that the living room was their master bedroom, man. Yeah. And they put up sheetrock where the hall was. Cold and then it was like, oh, dude, it was it was the most disgusting, stinky. The wife was laying in bed when we opened the door. She just <laughs> laid there the whole time. Like, you know, uh, it was an interesting experience. Really smelly, you know, garbage everywhere. You ever, you ever see those like um, when you go on like investor lift? And you have like the wholesalers that are taking pictures. They're like mirror selfies on their like blackberries and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like the house that you're yeah, describing. <laughs> yeah, it was disgusting. But I've learned since then that that's the smell of money, my friend. So um, when I walk into a nasty money. house like that, I'm like, 
smells like money. But uh, anyways, it was, dude, when I tell you it was disgusting, guys, it was foul. Like they hadn't had a garbage service, just to give you an example of the stench and rottenness. They hadn't had garbage, I don't think, for over a year. They had 50-gallon trash bags piled up six, seven oh feet high God, in the backyard. It was gnarly. Right uh, Holy shit. Oh so we got the house for 90000 I had twenty k from the sale of my first home that I put into it, and then I brought a partner in who had 850 credit score, right? Basically, a credit partner brought him in as a partner, and he had a $50,000 card with no interest for 18 months, right? So... We got in. We, I think we did the whole rehab for about 50 grand. But man, like when I tell you those, that tra we decided to do some of those dumbest things to save a buck, like clean up all the trash. That was a yeah. huge mistake. Oh, I will yeah. ever, oh. never, never, ever do that again. Uh, <laughs> like I'm telling you, man, we started cleaning this backyard, bro. We were, we were gagging. It was that bad. Like I had to go get charcoal filtered masks because we couldn't <laughs> stop. Yeah, it was oh it was something special. Uh, and needles, like hypodermic needles, I had to get puncture resistant gloves, and it was it was no joke, man. We 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 were dumping trash for days on that place. Um, but anyways, something like that that you wanted to save seven fifty eight hundred bucks, maybe. Oh right, dude, seriously, bro. Right? Yeah, that was a horrible mistake. Um, yeah, not only that, but we decided it needed some foundation work too. We decided to dig the holes for the piers. That was that was awesome. Uh, we oh know four God. three by three foot by three foot deep holes with a shovel and a pickaxe. <laughs> Dude, oh, my back hurt for weeks. I was like, my partner's idea is like, why don't we save this eight hundred bucks? It was about the same price. I'm like, okay, <laughs> Dude, that was Worst such a dumb, place. dumb move. But that is not the place to save money, guys. If I can give you a, a tip right now, garbage. Or the digging the pier holes. Don't do it. Um, you said pier holes? Yeah, the, uh, they put these piers in place to jack up the house. Okay. They're like pylons, right? Piers. They, they call them uh, structural piers, I think. Okay, sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the one that asks the dumb questions in the group. Oh, no. There's no dumb no. questions, man. I know a really, really cool dude that says that all the time. No dumb questions um I but just, yeah so that we dug these yeah. massive trenches and they put these these basically they're jacks they call them piers they put them in the ground and they literally jack the house up you know they they put them on uh, their hydraulic cylinders and they but uh anyway so that was another mistake we made right so we're talking about mistakes you know you know there was things we learned along the way but we ended up cleaning that house up and man we sold that sucker and me and my partner each made 45 grand on that first place, man. So we, we knocked it out of the park. It was a That's great amazing. deal. And we were off to the races. So where was this now? Where was this in Eugene? This was actually in Springfield, Eugene and Springfield. It was like the city, you know, sister city. Cool. Wow. So, I mean, you said there's a lot to unpack there, man. So let's, let's start from the beginning. You kind of, you had, you know, a rough upbringing. It was like the wild west. You were, you know, doing your thing. Um, you probably didn't think much about it, but like you're in your, you're in your teens, you're in your twenties. Like, where did you see from where you were, where you were at that time? Did you see like a future for yourself beyond that? Like, like, did you see, could you have seen at that time where you ended up now in some capacity? Where did you see no. your life going from that time? I thought, I just thought I was going to be a granite tile guy, you know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess what attracted you to the lure of real estate from where you were with the granite and tile 
you said you got tired of the granite wall. Was that because maybe it wasn't a business that you can run at scale to the capacity that you can run a real estate business? And that's what kind of drew you to real estate because you were mm -hmm. talking about you were like, holy crap, I just raised a hundred grand. Now I can do how many deals am I going to do with a hundred grand? How I could just walk into rooms and talk to people and raise money and do more deals. This is freaking awesome. So yeah. what, was, what was kind of like that like shift in your head that kind of put two and two together and you made yeah. that jump? Was it that's a great question? Yeah, great question. Well, part of it was the network marketing businesses. I when I did that first one, I knew there was gonna be a, another way, a different way. Like I knew it kind of lit a fire in me and it sparked my personal growth and development, you know, mission. And it, it sparked something in me that I just kind of, that came, something came alive in me, man. And I just, I was constantly on the search for something else. Like I knew there was more out there for me, you know what I mean? So I didn't want to limit myself to the granite tile business, even though I took it further than anyone in my family. I've had several members of my family who are in that industry and I'm the only one that's ever had a tile showroom, the whole showroom, a big shop, you know, CNC, you know, high-end equipment and all that. It just wasn't, it was scalable, but I didn't scale it right. And it would have taken me years to scale it to where I could have made some really good money. And I just might, I was burned out on it, man. I just was burned out. It's all I'd ever known my whole life. Right. And I got that taste, you know, when I got that taste from that first deal, I was like, man, this is it. Right. But you were, you were, you were never a W2 employee. It was always some sort of entrepreneurial venture or something like that. I worked for my stepdad for 10 years. Uh, I, my very first job was cleaning carpets in Los Angeles in condos. It was, it was this horrible job, horrible job. Yeah, but you, uh, you learn a lot of lessons like that. You learn a lot of lessons from, from stuff yeah. like that, man. But uh, I think Nick wanted to ask something. Yeah. I was but, just saying like, Mm -hmm. We, we kind of went over last um, show that we were doing before about our origins, how we found real estate. Like, and I, I guess it's kind of to, to just think about it in your story. Like it's an easy jump from doing tile in, in someone else's house, kind of like Pace's story, right? He was doing construction and then he became a business owner in real estate. What, what brought you to real estate in general? Like, where did you find the value of like, this is it. I'm going to start flipping houses. Uh, working in houses, basically, I worked in high-end homes all the time, and I talked to other people who were investors, and I got to see their lifestyle, you know. And I was like, "Man, this is awesome!" Like, I I started meeting people who were very well off, who only worked they only worked when they had to work. They worked from home, and I'm like, "Man, what? What is this? You know, like this is crazy." And you know, there was all these self-limiting beliefs and doubt that would go through my mind, you know, like like most of us. And I was just like, "Yeah, but it's not." it's not something you could ever do. You know, it was always that the devil on your shoulder, you know, and going, Hey, not yeah. for you. And you know, it wasn't, it was because of the personal development and growth and the reading the books. And the, that's really where I started getting more confident in myself and started just like flicking that little punk off my shoulder, you know, say, Hey, I can do this. You know what I mean? So the more I read, the more I, I felt confident, the more, houses I worked in, the more, more investors I talked to, I, I would do some guys, you know, fix and flips for them, you know, put counters and tile in their fix and flips and stuff. And, and so that's really kind of what, what was the kind of a catalyst to it, you know, um, yeah, is that, and, um, I, and someone I met in fortune builders was just crushing it. He was actually my rep. He was a tile rep for me and he was making a six figure income for this tile company, man. He was like the guy that brought my samples into my showroom and stuff. And he, yeah. he, he, 
he started doing it part-time the the fortune builders thing he's one of the guys that put 20 30 grand into the mastermind class you know uh deal and he and uh he, he hit me up one day i was like hey where'd you go or i said hey man i had seen you around he's like yeah i'm full-time investor now i was like what this guy this guy this guy's kind of a tool bag like if this guy can do it I am going to kill it. You know what I mean? Honestly, it's what going to happen. This guy's a tool yeah, man, so I, I have a follow-up question for you. So you, you mentioned you were like flicking the, the little demons off your, off your shoulder. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, but you also mentioned you read a lot, but I think there's people that read a lot, but they just read and read and read and read and read, but they never stop they never start flicking those demons off their shoulders. Mm -hmm. Like how did you go from reading to applying and actually like making that leap? It's a great question. Um, honestly, I started getting in, I think rooms with people who were successful. So I, I was like, I was going to like networking events and greeters and I was going the network businesses that I was telling you about, I would go up to Portland from Eugene and I would go to these weekends and they're surrounded by all this positive energy. Right. And all these like hype, hype, hype. And then you get home and you're just like, you know, like face yeah. talks about all the time. I'm not a hype guy. You want a mm -hmm. hype guy? Go, go see this guy or that guy. That's not me. So I would get all hyped up and I started believing some of the things, you know, I, I started believing that I could do it. And I, the more I got around those people and then those rooms and the more, you know, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Who Moved My Cheese, all these cool books like that were just tripping me out, man. I was like, what? The Millionaire Next Door. And I'm like, man, you know, if there's something to be said about, you know, the, the mindset here. And I started shifting my mindset and I started believing in myself, you know, and that's really kind of what happened. And once I started on that path, man, it was just it didn't stop. I just started believing more and more. And I just started getting more, more, um, you know, um, more positive mental attitude, more clarity. You know, I started just kind of getting really strong, you know, mentally. Mm -hmm. And that's something I, I hadn't been around my whole life. Like none, like I said, my family's all poor. Nobody has a pension. Nobody has a retirement plan. No 401ks, no nothing, man. So like I, I didn't grow up. I grew up dirt poor, you know. So I grew up literally, I was just talking about this the other night. In fact, we were, we were so poor, sometimes we'd be like pancakes for dinner and like oatmeal like for days on end and just like stupid yeah. stuff like that, right? You know? Um, do that now. What's yeah, that? I do, that? I do that now. Yeah, right. That's funny. It, I didn't eat pancakes for years, man, because of that. I was like, oh, I eat pancakes. But, <laughs> but you know, um, but yeah, it just started. Yeah, go ahead. I said, you haven't had my pancakes. After <laughs> that's right. <laughs> But yeah, man. So I just started believing a lot of this stuff. That's awesome. So we, we strongly believe obviously mindset is really important when anything you do, because this business that we chose is not easy, right? There's always, yeah. ups, there's always flows. You're, you're never, ever, ever going to bat a thousand, right? There's going to be a success rate of less than a thousand inevitably over time. Okay. And that resiliency is really important, but to fast forward here, you, you said that your first flip, was incredible. You made $45,000 each. Has every single flip you've done, you know, what? where have you seen yourself and your trajectory from there? Like, where did you go after that first flip? Yeah, good question. I started looking for another one, right? So, I mean, so with me, I, I planned on scaling. I wanted to 
do start one, be in the middle of one and finishing one. That was my plan. And it just never quite came to fruition because of my granite business. Right. Mm -hmm. I was stuck in it and I was building it and I constantly hiring, you know, employees or putting out fires or, you know, dealing with um, internal stuff. Um, and so it wasn't really, um, it just wasn't, it just wasn't, uh, you know, um, it didn't, it just wasn't working for me. Right. Like it, the way I was hoping. So I, I struggled through and, and like literally guys, and I tell people this all the time, we were working eight to 10 hours minimum in our granite shop. And then we would go three or four hours a day and flip houses and Saturdays we would work on those houses. So, you know, when I hear somebody say, Oh, I work eight hours. I don't have time. Oh, or like, Oh, I'm driving. I got a two hour drive home. I don't have time to do this. I'm like, bro, that's, that's your time right there, dude. Like, you know, so I, I don't, I don't have much sympathy for people who tell me they don't have much time. Right. Because we made the time you got to make it happen, man. So well, it's, not, it's not about the time, right? Lance, like no. what's the real, what's the real reason behind there? Yeah. So it didn't really scale like I hoped it did, but we did pretty well. You know, we, we started doing one here and one there and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. Dude. And things got weird. I did. I did have one, only one deal that wasn't like super amazing, where we made like ten grand, and it was barely. It was definitely not worth the headache. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that one deal was was not great. But everything else, like most of our deals, sold within the first week. You guys, because we 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 knew what kitchens and bathrooms. You know, we we basically designed and created beautiful kitchens and bathrooms for people, so we knew all the the things to flip, you know? Um, so that was a big part of our success was knowing the trends and knowing, you know, kind of knowing the market a bit. Mm -hmm. I think, sure. I think that was a good, thank you for setting up that segue for me, Lance, because I think we're going somewhere with this that I really wanted to take this. Um, there's a progression in real estate and we've all been through it um, where you start somewhere. For me, it was as a realtor. And then I realized that, being a realtor and Nick realized this too, it's basically running on a hamster wheel, just like you're, you're self-employed, like you were talking about before. I feel like flipping is kind of a similar game. Um, from there, I transitioned to, I was listening to bigger pockets podcasts going back and forth, five hours to college, upstate New York, back down to long Island. I would go to open houses every weekend. Um, and I would just listen to like Brandon Turner, like bigger pockets podcasts. Um, Eventually, uh, the Pace podcast went on Bigger Pockets, and I listened to that like five consecutive times on the way back and forth, and it hit me. I was like, how do I buy my first house? And creative finance was the answer to how I buy my first house. So my mission, I eventually joined Sub2. I racked up my credit card debt on it, which was, you know, everybody was like, what are you doing? But um, I ended up, I wasn't a realtor after that anymore. I gave it up, and then I dived like full into Sub2. And um, that's I've been running with ever since. It took me a year to make money doing it. But did you have kind of like obviously you flipped houses, but did you have like an epiphany moment where you realized like sub two or creative finance or something along those lines was the key to scale and actually build wealth? Like what was your holy crap? This is how I build wealth moment. Kind of. It was it, so I actually did the same thing, man. I, I listened to Bigger Pockets. I worked on the. Oregon coast a lot towards the last, like, I don't know, 
five or six years and I would draw, I would listen to podcasts all the way out to the coast. It was about an hour and 10 minute drive. So I'd listen to bigger pockets on the way in, on the way out before, of course, before Beardy left, right. I can't listen to it. I, I love you, David, but you just so dry, bro. I can't, I can't do it. Um, but, but when Beardy was in there, man, they were, it was awesome, dude. And, and that was actually a big part of the reason why I was able to, you know, be confident too. Cause you hear all these cool stories about all these people who are school teachers and just nine to fivers. And they're like, Oh yeah, I started doing this and that. But I actually heard an episode with my boy now, uh, Gabriel Hamill episode 344 of bigger pockets. I was driving out there. They introduced him as a, as a guy from Eugene, Oregon. And I was like, what? That's where I live. Who is this guy? I'm going to meet this guy. I knew right then I'm going to reach out to this guy and I'm going to have coffee with this guy. And, you know, you know, you push yourself, right? You push yourself out of your comfort zone all the time. You constantly get uncomfortable until it's not super uncomfortable anymore. You know, so I pushed mm -hmm. myself. I met him. But he he was a guy who was doing um, multifamily at the time. And he was getting into everything with uh, little to no money down. And I was like, what? How, how the hell is this guy doing this? I want, I'd like to scale to that. You know, so yeah. I started really thinking about uh things you know about that kind of a, a business uh an asset class and i met gabe i had coffee with gabe ended up developing a friendship with gabe he, the guy's man i don't know i don't know what he was worth back then but now he, the guy's worth 55 million dollars he's got 12 mobile home parks 250,000 square feet of triple net space and the dude's just crushing it man and he he lives the four-hour work week he's one of those guys he doesn't he doesn't do all kinds of other stuff because he doesn't want to do all that stuff. He doesn't have employees, you know, pretty much self-made. And I wanted to follow in his footsteps because I really loved that lifestyle that he lived and still does. Um, but that's kind of where I decided I was like, man, there's, there's some bigger things out there for me. Right. And he started talking about mobile home parks a lot. And then Brandon Turner was talking about it at the same time. So I, uh, I decided that mobile home park was kind of one of the asset classes I wanted to get into. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of started going for that, but I didn't hear about pace or anything to last fall, man, guys, I didn't even know who pace Morby was until October of last year. That's wow. wild. That yeah. When did you join sub two? Was it then? November. I joined the Gator tribe in October, right after BPCon. So funny story. Um, and at some point, obviously, we'll get to the big deal here, right? But uh, went to BPCon. So we sold our business last January. Let's talk about that real quick. Sold my business last January. Burned out on it, sick of it. Wanted to do real estate full-time. Sold my last fix and flip. And we ended up going to BPCon last year in October. Uh, we took like six months off, though. We took like try too much time off, to be honest with you. It was tough getting back into the swing of things. But went to BPCon, met Beardy Brandon. That was my biggest goal, obviously, networking, meeting Beardy Brandon. I got to meet Beardy. Um, but Gabe was going to BPCon, and Gabe knows all the speakers. He, he knows all the guys. Literally, he's in a mastermind group with Brandon Turner, and he's uh, uh, part, of the, part of the tribe of millionaires. You guys heard that book? Wow. So Tribe of Millionaires is a story about GoBundance, the group GoBundance. And that's a high-end, high-level kind of accountability group, kind of. Uh, mm. And so Gabe was like, are you coming to San Diego to BP Con? I was like, yeah, dude. He's like, hey, there's an after party tonight, man. You want to check it out right on the beach? I was like, what? So Gabe Hamill invites me to an after party, me and my wife. We get to go meet authors, 
like multi-millionaire like rock stars man it was an incredible uh experience um but um yeah so and actually uh i'm having sarah weaver on my podcast and she's the co-author of 30 day stay they were promoting her book yeah that at that uh event but funny thing is I didn't. I still didn't know Pace. So I actually saw this these stickers right here. Is Pace's sticker? There's a booth yep. with all these peace signs. I was like, "What is this? This is funny. This is cool. I like the sticker. I took one. Didn't even. I didn't know Pace was even speaking there. Pace and Jamil were there promoting uh, Triple Digit Flip, and they were they had they were on stage. They had like different stages, breakout rooms. But it wasn't until my Uber driver we went out to dinner the next night, and my Uber driver's asking, you know, breaking the ice, what are you guys doing? Blah blah blah. Bigger pockets, this and that. He's like, "What's that? Never heard of bigger pockets." I'm like, "What? He's living under a rock? Like you're you're investing?" He's like, "Oh, but I follow this guy Pace Morby on YouTube, man. I got two rentals now, and blah blah blah." And I was like, "Pace who?" <laughs> so, like, li dude, literally in the Uber, we're looking up on YouTube Pace Morby. Who's this guy? And so, I, I kid you so not, much. man. We joined the Gator Tribe like three days later, and then three weeks after that, we get a phone call from Sub Two. Hey, we see that you joined the Gator Tribe. Would you be interested? In blah 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 blah. Gave us the spiel. Look at each other. We're like, yep. <laughs> so, yeah. so then that was oh, it. We man. joined, and then we were inundated with way too much information. Obviously, as, as some of you know, Shiny but object syndrome for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. For three months, probably. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what? Yeah, you, let's, before we Go get ahead. into your next deal, and obviously, like, we have a lot to unpack because it's amazing. Like, I love your story where it took you here, but you joined almost a year ago, right? What have you yeah. done since you joined, and and how are you focusing on what you're doing now? Like, how did you get to, I have a podcast, I'm doing XYZ, and please tell everyone what you're doing consistently on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so honestly, so I, I kind of went through some stuff at the end of 2020 and it kind of changed my perspective on basically on life and on a lot of things. I felt like I was living in a box and I wanted to break out of that box. And that was part of the reason why we moved halfway across the country um, last year. Uh, so out of BPCon, we basically, that was our last event that we did uh, on the West Coast. And we packed up all our stuff. We sold everything we owned. Actually, got got rid of like three truckloads to St. Vincent de Paul's. Basically, downsized, sold everything. Found a creative deal here in Texas, and I'll tell you a little nice. bit about that if we have time. But uh, and moved here and started a whole new life to focus full time on real estate. But um, we we just we were just like kind of sick of this same old stuff. Like we wanted a whole new start. Oregon was rainy and, and it wasn't really that cold, but it was rainy. It was gloomy. It was overcast all the time. And it rained six to nine months out of the year on and off and on. Right. Mm -hmm. It's actually one of the highest rated places for suicides in the entire country in the Pacific Northwest because of that. And uh, we were just ready for something new, man. And, and there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to make it work, whatever it was, you know? Um, so when we joined sub two, uh, I was kind of lost. Like I said, we took six months off. So, bro, trying to get back in after six <laughs> months off, holy crap. It was uh, it was a lot. My brain hurt, you know, and I was like, man, I was lost. It took us a while. It took me about a couple of months to start getting my wheels going again, like really getting kind of dialed in. But then we had shiny objects in there. And it was like land deals and wholesaling and pads or not pads, but, but, you know, group homes and this and that and short-term rentals, mid-term rentals. I was like, and we were just all over the place. I couldn't figure out what the hell we were doing. I told my wife, I was like, babe, 
I don't feel like we're getting any traction. Like something's got to change. We have to focus on something like, and really mm -hmm. focus in on it. And so I was like, tomorrow we're taking the day off We're we're canceling whatever appointments we have and we're going to figure this shit out tomorrow. And so we sat down and we started writing some stuff out and kind of came up with a plan, you know, write some goals out and, and decided we were, we were like, what are our strengths? What? Cause I know we're not going to work on our weaknesses or try and improve on those. We're going to work on our strengths and really get dial in on a few key things that are working for us right now. And that's what we did, man. I, I literally networking and connecting. I just really hit that hard and I hit started to hit social media real hard. I, I got on one of JJ's easy and zooms in the sub two community yeah and started learning how to brand myself a little bit better so i started following some of his his tips and it just started taking off man it, i mean it did, wasn't right away about four months in i'd say about four months ago is when we started getting some traction i started uh, as a connector started connecting people with funds who needed you know borrowers and, and lenders and I, I didn't realize what i was doing at first and i had a talk with a partner and i was like man I'm, here's what I'm doing, but you know, I need to, you know, start making money. What am I, you know, what's a good, he goes, dude, you're, what you're doing now, you can monetize that. I was like, you're kidding me. He goes, no, dude, you, you're a huge value. You're at a huge value to these people. You know, and I had a, I heard an analogy recently, uh, well, about a month or two ago. Uh, no, about a month ago. Anyway, uh, this person I was talking to telling him about what I'm doing, you know, with the gap lending, they're all, Lance, you, you think back when to your very first dance in like junior high school and you have the boys all on one side of the room and all the girls are on the other side of the room. It's kind of like borrowers and lenders are, you know, for the most part. Yeah. The borrowers are here and they don't know where to find the money. The lenders have the money. They don't know where to find the deals. You're the guy in the middle to bring those people together. I was like, dude, that was a great analogy. So I, I kind of started that. doing some of that and I just, it really kind of took off, man. Um, and then the last, Three months, we got our first sub two midterm rental, and it got up and run it, rented out. We started negotiating on a mobile home park, um, and ended up getting that under contract. I don't know, a few weeks ago, we're going to be closing on that at the end of the month. It's like uh, I think forty two pads. It's a hybrid RV mobile home park. We got a wholesale wow. deal right now. That's going to be that's a good opportunity for a wrap, and we also have a. Um, our first short-term rental that I'm getting funding for here in the next day or two with oh. some uh, other sub two students. So Hell just yeah. started going crazy, man. It started taking off. And it's like, I mean, this, the community is insane. I can't speak enough on the sub two community. It is ridiculous. Like I Love never it. been a part of anything like it my entire life, guys. Uh, so many like-minded people who are on a similar path as me. It's like so easy to make friends and to talk to people. So, uh, I wanted to touch on something real quick, too. I read this book called The Miracle Equation. Okay, that was about three months ago or four months when I started dialing in and getting in my lane. Mm. Al Elrod's book, it's a it's a sequel to uh, The Miracle Morning, right? Mm -hmm. Great read. Um, in that book, it challenged me and it asked me what my mission was in life. And I was like, holy crap. Uh, I hadn't actually had a mission statement for a long time. I had one with my granite company, but it's something I hadn't thought about. Right. So that, that really challenged me to, to really kind of contemplate and really ponder, right. Some things in my life. And what, what was I, cause I knew I wasn't going to focus on money. I, and, and I knew I wasn't going to just focus on having to get deals. So what was it, right? What what was the thing that my mentors and all these books I'd read and all these podcasts I'd listened to over all these years, what was 
the one thing that they all had in common, and it kind of light bulb went off. It was it was very simple too. Adding value, add value. That was it, bro. Love I put it. add value. I wrote that down. I put it on my dream board, and that's what I started doing. I started talking to newbies. You know, I had life experience. I had business experience. I'd done fix and flips. I just started pouring into the community, man, and just started. You know, it started coming back. You know, it didn't take long, but so it's, pause, pause real it's, quick. I yeah. can't read any of like the usernames on the yeah. comment side. It Facebook just users. User. So there. There's a lot of people that have a crush on you, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my wife's on here. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what? It's funny. Does anybody, just says Facebook users. Yeah. That's if anybody can help me figure out how to make it not say Facebook user and say somebody's name, that would be helpful. So, but to get back into it, you talk a lot about mindset, which is huge yeah. for me. I love that because like there's, there's always like a period of my time where I'm spending like focusing on the wrong things right focusing on the things that i did wrong focusing on what didn't go right focusing on how i didn't add up to to do the things i needed to do to make something work right mm -hmm. you mentioned a dream board what what are your number one two and three things that you do every morning before you start crushing business every day how do you i love that great question and that kind of stems from the miracle uh morning right um i love that book by the way my mornings aren't as miraculous as they used to be, but I'm, you know, we go into <laughs> ebb and flow. Like, you know, it, it's kind of an ebb and flow. I try to get up by mm -hmm. six every morning. I really do my best. Yeah. But, uh, but basically I get up every morning. I stretch, I drink some water. I read. We, I read for about 30 minutes every morning out of a real book. Love it. And uh, I work out three to five days a week at this point, really going for that Ooh. five days a week, but uh, nice. trying to get, all areas of my life healthy right now. That's my a, a big focus, big personal focus right now. And now when you're doing those things, does it have to do it before you get started on whatever entrepreneur thing you're taking on that day? Or do you just have to get it done before the end of the day? I got to tell you guys, I, I don't turn my phone on until usually 8, 30, 9 o'clock in the morning. Love that. It's, it's yeah. just such a distraction. I can't, like I said earlier, I, I have ADD, so... Bro, if I turn my phone on and I start scrolling, dude, forget it. I can't focus on anything. Like yeah. my mind just starts racing and I have to get my morning. I try and journal in the morning too. Um, but I get that stuff done every morning before I turn my phone on, you know, because it's really, really important to me to, you know, have that little bit of downtime for myself every That's morning. Amazing. That's that makes amazing. sense, man. The biggest when I wake up in the morning, it's like my hand gravity is pulling my phone towards Dude, my Dude, I know. It's so, yeah. so hard to be like, okay, I gotta yeah. get up, I gotta go outside, I gotta get some sunlight, eat breakfast. Okay, who who DM me on Instagram? I have to check. It's like now I'm gonna do that now, Lance. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that tomorrow morning. I'm gonna DM you like at nine o'clock in the morning. I just turned my phone on, man. I'm feeling great. <laughs> but uh um, love it, dude. I turn my phone off every night too, by the way, because I I you know, there's been studies, you know, you lose sleep. If you hear ping, 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 whatever, I turn my yeah. phone off every single night and then I turn it on when I'm ready to turn it on. I, I don't let my phone own me. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a good way of living. But to, to make sure we have enough time to go over what why you're here, right? Um, yeah. We probably have a, a good, like, 10 minutes left of, of quality time together. Do you want to get into this $160,000 deal? That we yeah, let's do it.
That's so this is a great deal, guys. This was a crazy experience. There was a lot of ups and downs. This was like the full spectrum of uh, real estate in this deal. Um, there was a lot of good and a lot of bad and a lot of in between. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was awesome. Um, it was a grand slam home run. Um, Love it. So basically, we found this place. We were doing. We would do uh, trade shows in uh in florence oregon i was telling you guys i would drive out there a lot for work so we started we hooked up with a company a design firm and we were doing all the their countertop work for them and they invited us to come to a trade show so we were going to this trade show we we hooked up with one of those like wholesalers that just basically spams you all kinds of crap right but these guys actually had some legit deals i actually hooked up with from an i hooked one other deal up with them and, and eugene so we checked this deal out. It had a full acre in Florence, Oregon, and the property itself was just beautiful, man. I was like, man, let's check this out. And this is like we we pretty much specialized in zombie houses. We did three zombie houses in our day, and this was this one took the cake. Uh, never finished. So we went toward the property. I won't get into the rehab yet. We toured the property while we were out there doing our uh, trade show. My wife and I checked it out. Oh, no, actually, I just checked it out. I was bringing all stuff to the booth with my guys, and I went to look at it. There was like six or seven other investors looking at it, maybe eight. You know, A couple of them were on our local RIA that I knew, and I saw them there. And it was kind of like a silent auction type thing, right? They would take bids, and then they would let someone know who won the bid. So my wife had an amazing, amazing idea. She was like, hey, she talked to the wholesaler, and she's like, hey, can we do an uh, – what's that called? In, in, in is it an, an inflation a clause? Oh, escalation clause? Yes, thank you. Escalation clause. Um, yeah. We'll go $1,000 higher than the highest bid up to X amount. Guess what? That night after the show, we got a phone call. You guys won the bid. And I was like, sweet. You know, so uh, <laughs> this house was another really, really bad, bad, just a mess. <laughs> but I knew we had something special. We paid $135,000 for this property. It was on a full acre. So this place was inherited you know the the son was a real deadbeat the dad had built the house never finished the upstairs at all it was like studs oh my god 18 it was no it was like 1650 square feet foot house so it wasn't anything special right but i knew our the designer was wanting to do some work with us so i had i brought her out after we locked it up got it under contract uh put the earnest money in uh oh yeah so before we get to the designer let me let's talk about uh the what what paused the deal so i had a hard money lender lined up locked up mm -hmm. i had earnest money five grand i think earnest money down on the place uh or three grand yeah i think it was five thousand and so um guess what happened after we locked that house up as we were about to start doing work on it or no as yeah as we were going to get our first draw from the hard money lender Except covid covid hit Oh, COVID. Okay. And guess what? Yeah, of course. All the hard money lenders said, Yank. they put the brakes on. Oh, I, and this guy doesn't email, doesn't call me nothing. I, I hit him up for our first draw to set up our first draw. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, we're not lending right now. I was like, what do you mean, dude? We already you had an agreement. You already lent. Oh, man. sorry, dude. We're not we're not lending anything on the coast. It, it's got to be a really solid deal here in Eugene. But, yeah, I thought you knew. I'm like, dude, oh, I was so pissed, dude. Wow. So oh, I had to go back to the drawing board. I didn't want to let this deal slip by us because I know the houses are averaging three, four hundred thousand bucks out there. So I was like, this is a great deal. So 
I went back and started calling hard money lenders, asking other friends, other investors. I, I probably called five, six, seven, maybe hard money lenders until I finally found one. Yeah, I had about a 12. It was like, I think it was like a 10% plus two points. That first one, this one was like 12 plus two. It was like 14%, 12% plus two points. And I was like, Ooh, but I, I saw the, I had the vision, right? I knew the house was going to be a great deal. So, um, so we, we moved, started moving forward, uh, decided that, uh, um, the designer I was working with wanted us to do some countertops and some tile in our house. She's like, Hey, I'll tell you what, I'll act as the general. I'll help you design everything. And if you want to put some countertops in my house and do, do a little bit of tile work, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm all about bartering and trading, man. You know, so did some pretty cool trades in my days that we won't get into, but that was really cool. A cool opportunity. So I hired her. We were going like kind of mid end like finishes, but we decided we needed to get the whole thing since we gutted the whole thing. And I mean, okay. So to give you an idea, uh, this thing had, Oh man, it was like over, I don't know. I want to say like five tons, five tons of debris. I don't know. It was an incredible wow. amount of debris and garbage. Wow. And there was an RV that was falling apart. So <laughs> I ended up paying a bunch of money to just clear the property out. Uh, but at this point I'd learned all my lessons, right? I oh, wasn't you didn't doing clean it, it out yourself this time. Yeah, cool. I wasn't doing it, dude. There was a cool little bridge over this little creek. It was called Salmon Creek, right from the property that added a cool little bit of character to it. Oh, yeah, nice um, yeah, so we were going to uh, clean it up, go kind of mid-end. But as we talked to Jenny more and more, she's like, I think we can just really make this a really unique place, go high-end, make it just, you know, bitchin', bitchin' house. So she got us on board, and I was like, I knew I was rolling the dice, and it was a big risk, right? And I was like, jeez, what if, you know, what if, you know, you know, that little that little punk on my shoulder, you know, I was like, eh. But I started seeing some comps, and I knew this was an area where you could get really, really good money for certain properties, so we went for it, man. We went all in. We ended up doing quartzite counters. I mean, first off, we gutted the entire house, did all new electrical, all new plumbing, everything new, all new siding, new roof, an entire gut. I mean, to the studs, and then repaired some dry rot and stuff. Um, but the cool thing was we, we ended up going all high end. We added like 150 over 150 square feet to the house um, that we ended up kind of, there was like a little canning room on the outside of the house was all dry rotted. We ended up closing that in and turned it into a little hidden room next to the fireplace, a little bug out room, like a bookshelf. Awesome. You know, we always wanted to do something like that. A little bookshelf hidden uh, bug out room. Yeah. Um, but we went all custom tile showers. We added a half bath. So it was a three, two and a half. It was like a super modern kind of bedroom with like floating, like lamp with the lamps were like floating, like floating shelves for nightstands. Everything was built in, in the closet, um, quartzite counters. I mean, mud room was sick, like bitch and big mud room. It was like a full wet space for the, uh, the downstairs bathroom it was a jacuzzi, like a soaker tub that had the barn sliding barn, you know, glass doors. Oh, nice. And the whole area yeah. was a wet space where the shower and everything was bitching. Um, like I had a two inch thick walnut slab for a breakfast bar. It was just a uh, raw live edges on it and stuff. Like we, we, we did some cool stuff in the house. Um, and we were getting close. We we're getting close to finishing that house. Actually, let me back up just a bit. I know we don't have a ton of time, but we, had people sick. We had people stop working throughout this process. We had people not show up. We had a, 
put a whole new roof on this house. This guy put up the wrong roof on. We were going up to the studs, so there was no space for vents. Oh. This idiot roofer put vents in the roof. No. He, he didn't put a, a vent, a vent, a ridge vent. <laughs> it's called a ridge vent. It goes along the top of the roof. So guess what? The sheetrockers had all the sheetrock in there. I got a phone call. Hey, we can't sheetrock this. Everything's wet in the upstairs room. I was like, what do you mean it's wet? I go there and it was sweating. The whole house was sweating. There was oh, no moisture was being locked into the house. So oh, I had to have a roofer come and rip the whole roof off and put a whole new roof on, man. It was, uh, that was one of the, the hiccups um oh my bro yeah so it was yeah it was dude anyway that was that was a, a, a hard lesson how to put on a roof that's the lesson for today hard lesson dude so <laughs> yeah if you ever want to go to the studs like to add space you got to get a ridgeline uh vent roof vent okay ridgeline vent so anyway um we get the we're getting the house i mean it literally dude took us almost two years to complete this project think about all that all the money that stacked up that we were paying out monthly, right? We had to get, we literally had to refinance the hard money loan to finish building this wow. damn thing. Because, bro, it was, I was like, oh man, you know, but I saw, I saw that there was, that like it was like the economy was just boom, everything was just skyrocketing though, and costs and prices were going through the roof. We literally, we, we, we ended up, uh, before I go into how much we sold it for and what the price tag was, we had a, which we were like right about to sell it. And we had a guy that there was a little pie shaped piece of property in front of our property that we had a shared handshake easement with. Well, guess what? That person I had a handshake with sold it and they tried to landlock me. And so I ended up having to pay this jackass $14,000, hired a lawyer. He, he basically scared off my first buyer and we ended up losing probably 20000 uh, on that, um, all together, but, uh, we ended up fighting this guy. So dragged out, you know, so all said and done almost two years, you guys, but we were all in at about $450,000. We put a price tag on that thing for, well, the price we were trying to, we listed it for like $770,000. We ended up having to come down because we just missed that peak, right? Just barely by a few months, literally a few months. We ended up selling it for $735,000, 1,800-square-foot house, $735,000. What was the ARV that you guys were shooting for? We were shooting for $775,000. <laughs> wow. We had, it, we had it sold for $750,000 if it wasn't for that landlock, that jackass so, in the front. What, but, year, uh, what year was this? But, but still, you know. One thirty purchase price. Yeah. You guys spent – almost $300,000 on renovations yeah. and clearing it out. Yeah. Contracts. Yeah. And then you even, you sold it above $700,000. Yes. We were all in at like 450, I think. Holy, Holy crap. Yeah. Wow. So talk about a grand slam home run. That's the biggest, you know, grand slam home run that I've ever had in real estate so far so we profited our net profit was one hundred and sixty thousand dollars on that house so that net, was the, net, the sunshine right all, at the end i was like it made it all worth it <laughs> holy moly so you bought, dude. Uh, bought it in 2020 right and then you sold it in 2022 did we yeah yes no no we bought it uh 2019 yes yeah we bought it at the end of 2019 yep COVID hit. Or we bought it like a month or two before COVID, whenever that was. Yeah, like January of 2020. January there you go. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. We, 
With well, that was when my daughter, my second daughter, was born, and then COVID hit. <laughs> wow. Yeah, dude, it was crazy though, man. It was, you know, we we had so many roller coasters, ups and downs. Bad contractor, literally had. This was a drug house, you guys. So we had druggies coming to look for drugs at some point. And the tile setter, who oh was an actually uh, quite the little prick, uh, smug little guy. He was just a little jerk. This 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 dude came up, this tr transient came up to buy drugs. And he's like, hey, what are you doing here? Get out of here. And he, the guy ended up punching him in the mouth, dude. Punched the <laughs> tile setter in the mouth and took off. And uh, it was wild, dude. It was wild. But the property was gorgeous, man. Beautiful. It turned out amazing. It's That's so amazing. so crazy how you can go through like all that adversity, the, the hard money, the roof, the contractors, all of that stuff for it to take two years. And then you get through all of that and make one hundred and sixty thousand dollar profit. It's just it's I think it's a metaphor for real estate that you're. Gonna, oh, there's my wife. You're <laughs> there you go. She's yeah, got thanks, babe. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a metaphor for real estate, meaning that like you're gonna you're gonna start at the bottom, you're gonna go through all the crap, but at the end at the end of it all, there's the wealth that you're looking for. So yeah, yeah. you really need to fail a bunch of times before you get to that success that you're ultimately ultimately gonna reach. Well, and it's just a part of the journey. I have a yeah. question for you, Lance. What kept you moving forward? This took really long. And when most people are doing flips, what do you say the timeline is on a flip for most people? Maybe oh, it's about it's about average about six months. Yeah. So like at most, because your hard money lender is usually trying to lock you in for twelve months, right? And right. Doing that, it's it's sold after twelve months, right? So yeah, you're looking at a year. You come up to that first year mark. Yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking then? I was thinking, oh my God, I, what are we going to do? I, I wasn't sure. I was talking to, thinking about reaching out to some private money lenders that I knew um, that I'd done some stuff with before, but everybody was so nervous. You know, I, I just knew I had to stay the course, man. And I just reached out to these guys and I said, hey, the cool thing was, I mean, on the one hand, it was COVID, so everything was crappy. But on the other hand, people were more understanding because it was COVID and people were not coming to show, they weren't showing up. You know, mm -hmm. some companies didn't come for months because they had a guy sick or whatever. You know, it was crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I just I knew I had to just suck it up. And there was no option at that point. We were so far in and I won't use the term I'm thinking of because, you know, it might be a family show. But, yeah, it was uh, we were <laughs> in too deep. You know what I'm saying? Like there was no turning her back. You know, I knew we would complete it. There wasn't a doubt in my mind. I was going to find the money one way or another. And so. I reached out to the lenders and I was like, look, man, you know, we're, we're, we're up against the wall here. We have all these issues, this and that. And they go, well, we can refinance you. I think it was another two points or something. And we still made that much money. Like it was unbelievable. $160,000. That's incredible, man. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. That's incredible. Congratulations yeah. on that. And more so not just because you made $160,000. Congratulations on seeing it through. I appreciate I that. that. That's the biggest takeaway is like, don't mm -hmm. give up, you know, don't put yourself in a position where you're retreating right before you hit the finish line. Yeah. And it sounds like monetarily it was worth it, right? Because yeah. if you divide that 160 by two years, those are two really good flips, right? Exactly. 
Yeah, and that's basically what we came to the same conclusion. I was like, well, it's still two good flips a year. So honestly, it was about the same. We did learn a lot uh, going through this whole process. You know, um, there was a lot of lessons learned. Um, that's for damn sure. Yeah, Hell yeah. You got, you got essentially you got paid to learn and grow over the course mm -hmm. of two years, and well, you made you made you made two uh, average or upper class middle middle uh, middle uh, class salaries over those course of that two years. That's a good point. Yeah. That's that's a lot of money. So kudos to you, man. That's awesome. Thanks, yeah. man. Oh yeah. Real quick, do you have a, another a couple minutes for another question? Yeah. Um, do you feel comfortable giving us your top like three things that you learned out of that process? Some nuggets? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I knew it already, but it really solidified the the, to not give up, you know, um, I, that was just like one of the biggest things that, that really, you know, I think about this, the little, um, comic a lot where the two miners are digging for gold and the oh, one guy gives yes. up right before he strikes gold. I think about that all the time, silly little things like that, but that's kind of one of those little things yeah. that, you know, I thought about, it. I was like, I can't give up. You know, there's no way I know I'm going to get this. I know it's going to work. The prices were skyrocketing. So so we just kept moving forward. Um, the second one was to vet your contractors a little bit better, right? Like check into their background. Look, maybe <laughs> check out Google reviews. That's a good idea with the roofer. I would have never hired the guy had I known half the people in that town wouldn't didn't want to use him. <laughs> that was a hard lesson, dude. I knew the guy, though. So he was a friend. The first guy I had to fire. He was actually a, an acquaintance of mine. So anyway, oh no, yeah, you know, that's, that's another thing. Be careful going, you know, nah, I don't want to go down that road, but some, sometimes you got to watch out who you're getting into business with, um, yeah. you know, and I'd say the third lesson would be, uh, you know, you can do, you can do anything you put your mind to, man. Right. Like I, I couldn't believe I was like, I blew my own mind. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I was shocked to be honest with you that we made that kind of profit on that house after all the all the stuff we went through. You know, um, yeah. I knew if we could get through that, that we could do pretty much anything, man. So, hell yeah, I mean that's amazing, dude. And then before you leave, I'm gonna start asking this to anyone that has uh, that comes onto the show. What book are you reading right now? That's a good question. The book, I am actually starting a new one, but I'm reading a book about communication. And man, I am the worst with titles. I can't remember the name of it. My yeah. wife, babe, can you co comment on here the book I'm reading? <laughs> She's in the other room. Uh, but it's a really, so I, I decided to start reading books about my strengths, right? Communicating, storytelling. Uh, mm -hmm. So this book is about communication. It's been really, really crazy. And I'll get it to you. Hopefully it'll pop up in the chats. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyways, um, man, I can't, I can't, remember, I can't remember the name of it guys. Cool. That's all right. That's all right. Awesome, Jesse to the rescue. We'll see. We'll see if she pops in. Anyway, do you, anyone have any questions? How yeah, I, I, I pulled speak? the audience, but I love go ahead, Dom. Highly effective. Pu Can you throw that on the screen? Thank you. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Boom. It's a good one. It's it, It'll bend your brain, though, man. There's a lot of charts, and this guy goes into it in real detail. It's it's If you're not learning, like, trying to up your game with communication, it's a, it's a tough read. 
You know what I mean? There's some really complex stuff in there. Some words that I had to look up over and over. I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? I don't even know what this means. <laughs> but he draws diagrams and he does all kinds of cool stuff. He'll explain it like four different ways. So you really, it really sinks into your yeah. head. It's a good, it's a good read. Yeah. You know, it's crazy when you read books like a lot too, especially the books that we read, you come across words and you're like, do I even speak English? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know what these words are. Yeah, I need to get a book on vocabulary, I think, because I want to <laughs> up that game. <laughs> it's on my list. Um, I can't remember who told me this. I, it might have even been Nick, honestly. But it was like, uh, it was a story that someone told me recently. I might have even read it in a book that I'm reading. I'm not even sure. Um, my memory is not working for me right now. But it was about... I'll take credit for it anyway. What? I said I'll take credit for it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, Nick probably doesn't remember even if he told me yesterday. So... Um, basically it was about this miner who bought a plot of land digging for gold. Did you yeah, tell me this, Nick? This was, this was on our podcast last week, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. I was like, this is in my head, but it's, it's, it's such a like revolving theme of what we always talk about. And yeah. you know, this miner was digging for gold, couldn't find it, sold the plot of land to somebody else. He had a map and mm. it ended up being three feet or something to the left dig a little bit and he found gold and became super rich so it's yeah. all you know right ahead of it's right in front of us and i think your story lance is the perfect example of what that story embodies as well and um it doesn't matter you know where you come from it, it matters that you know you you just you just try you try things you figure out a way to scale and uh you just take it from there and mm -hmm. uh, failure is just a part of the process adversity is just a part of the process and uh, figuring figuring out a way to tackle it along the way is, you know, how you become successful and not just real estate, but anything that you want to be successful at. Yeah. I yep. think it was from Think or Grow Rich, by the way, Dom. Yes. That's it. Thank you. That uh, is Think or Grow Rich. You're right. That was actually in our last, that was in a planning meeting. I don't think that's actually. Fair enough. I don't think that was planning, last week. Whatever. Lance, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I hope you had as much fun as we did. That was an amazing story. We really appreciate you being here and, and sharing with us. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. Thanks Lance, for having me. Let's do this Lance, again. Where can, where can everybody reach you on, on your uh, social media that you've been talking about? Yeah, it's really easy. At Lance Riggin or Lance Riggin on Facebook. And this is what you're going to see on my profile pic. Sub two hat. I, I might have a mustache, but pretty easy to find me. Uh, also doing a co-hosting podcast on the Creative Collective, REI Think Tank. We do have a YouTube channel. Uh, we do podcast every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central. Encompasses all things about creative real estate and mindset and networking, all kinds of cool stuff. So, Love it. Awesome, man. It's been a blast. Nice. Do it again. Yeah, Thank guys. Thanks for having me, man. I had a great time with you guys. All right, man. Appreciate you. All right, guys. Take care.